Do you aspire to become a responsible leader? How do you see yourself now as a young man? Learning from challenges is one thing, but getting opportunities is another. If you're a young man who wants to learn about personal growth, life lessons, and leadership, tune in to Essential 11, Shaping Leaders Among Leaders. How are you? I'm doing very well. How are you? Good. Man, Good. I, I, if, if it's okay, if y'all could just talk for another hour. My wife and I sat on our front porch last night out in the woods outside of Nashville, and she, her PhD is in, in education. Mine is in education. And we both looked at us at each other and said, this whole thing is in such is in ashes and I want my kids out of it. And I don't know what to do. And right. we sat on our front porch last night and had that conversation for a while. So I would like to just kick back and listen to y'all solve this so that I can take it back to my house, man. What a mess. Oh, oh brother. I'm telling you. So we, uh, about, I guess it was about a year ago. Um, had Mr. Ken Coleman uh, joined us for the Young Men's Program, right? And so he came on the show, and we were we were chatting about all this. And and uh, after we got done, you know, he's talking about this. He was asking me about the schools that I built, and and then what Tim Kennedy and I are, are doing and building out campus wise, you know, here and talking about the No Safe Spaces movie and all this. So we ended up getting on the phone for about three hours and just going through everything going on on the school side. And um, truth be told, I'm supposed to be headed out your your way at some point here, so we can all talk education. Well, get out of here, man. That'd be awesome. I'm, be looking awesome. forward, I'm looking forward to doing it. Yeah. Um, but I'm also looking forward to chatting with you today, man. How well, are you? I'm grateful for you. Good, good, good. Good, good, man. I'm grateful yeah. for you. This is an honor, man. It really is. And, and um, you know, I want to dive into all the good stuff. We want to dive into the book. But um, first and foremost, just truly want to thank you for for who you are and how you show up in the world and how you continue to lead and, um, you know, your willingness to come and spend an hour with these guys, man. I, I don't take it lightly at all. And I know these guys don't either. So we will definitely honor the time. Uh, you bet. And uh, hey, you can take these questions and and throw them out the window. Whatever serves you and your gang the best, let's do it, man. Man, I think we'll hit some of that, and we'll just see what kind of questions they have, and we'll just kind of do a mix, man, all of the above. Before we do, so I got a text message. I was getting a text message from a gentleman named Chris Williamson, um, who I don't know if you know him or you follow him, but he was very cordial. I'm like, all right, man, hey, let me get back to you on this. I'm getting on with John Deloney right now, and he says, tell John hi. So whether he's just saying it because he's a nice guy <laughs> or because you know him, Chris Williamson says to tell you hi. So I wanted to make well, sure. Well, I appreciate that. I think, he, um, I think he looks at my upper body, and he wishes his looked kind of like mine. And that so I, I think that's where it's from. It's where the conversation was going, man. That was, it was right. really weird. I was asking him <laughs> completely different, and he started talking about you and how good so it was. It was strange. So I'm actually glad we cut the conversation. Um Man, I, look, everybody, you were actually requested by a number of guys here. They're like, hey, man, we, you know, what about Mr. John Deloney? I'm like, that's a great idea, man. Let's absolutely reach out. Um, and awesome. so Thank these you. guys know who you are. This also goes out to a podcast that goes out to quite a few human beings and, and some may not, but I, I'll put all the bio. We'll do all that kind of stuff. Who's John Deloney in your words? Let's start there and then we'll tackle the book and what we're doing here. Dude, I'm a... Lucky guy married to an incredible, brilliant, beautiful wife with two healthy kids and a 13-year-old and a 7-year-old. And I'm the son of a homicide detective turned minister and a stay-at-home mom turned. She graduated with her PhD at 63 and just taught her last semester at Oxford in her 70s. And so I, I um, was in my DNA is two, two important lessons. One, when something's on fire, you go in. Um, when everyone's running out, you go in. And the second one is there's no such thing as too old. There's no such thing as you can't, there's no such thing as there's no path. Then you go out there and make your own. And I just have had two folk parents who, um, blaze that trail for me. And so, um, I spent the last 20 years working in 
higher ed as a professor and a dean of students and also working with police departments. And um, then all of a sudden, uh, as my 13 year old says, dad, you're kind of a dork now, you're just a YouTuber. So now I work in this crazy <laughs> ecosystem and we'll figure out what's next. That's awesome, man. So tell me, so what does that look like now? Something's on fire, you go in. What does that look like to you right now? What's on fire? What are you going into? Um, I, I think it's just a commitment to continue to sit with hurting people and whatever that looks like. And it's also a commitment to telling the truth in a uh, world that's just gone sideways. And so um, I had a, a counseling professor. I, I'd reached a point in my higher ed career was like, dude, I'm out. I want to become, I went and got a second degree. I want to be a counselor and just hide out in a small town and do therapy. And I will never forget it. She's a small woman from Chicago, um, a powerful, strong woman. And she came and put her finger in my chest. She walked around her desk and she said, you don't get to do that. She said, they'll, they won't listen to me. They'll listen to you. And that stuck with me. And so it's just been about finding where can I pull a seat up to the table and said, hey, what if we looked at this thing a little bit differently? Ah, I love that, man. I love that. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to go, these, these we, truth be told gentlemen this is one of the first mentors we've ever had where actually there was a, a preset set of questions it's like hey maybe tackle some of these questions and and that's happened before every once in a while i look at them and i'm like and i think these are some great questions man that'll segue some it'll it'll give us some phenomenal conversation and then these gentlemen that are here um in the latter half of the hour will act will ask a lot better questions than i will but i do want to talk about the book and partially because uh, I'm grateful for it. I got to read it. Um, you were gracious enough to send it. And I appreciate that very much. Um, and it was extraordinarily well done. And, and I'm talking about building a non-anxious life. So I would like to hear the genesis of that. I mean, you're talking about all these, these amazing things. If there's something's on fire, you go in, you're not going to find a path. You're going to go forge a path. But as you and I both know, forging the path is easier said than done. And there's a whole lot that comes at you um, during that. So why? why, yeah. why, why I'm glad you said that. Forging a path sounds so good on Instagram, but Doesn't forging it? a path comes with a lot of cuts and bruises and burns. And uh, it sounds good on paper, man, but it sucks when you're living it. it um, yeah. in, a, in, a, in a, I'll do it, try to do it as quick as I can, but I grew up with a guy, my dad, who gave his whole life to his community, both um, first as a, as a detective and as a police officer, and as a SWAT guy, and then as a minister. And I have these very, very vivid memories of him going to a grocery store with this new little contraption called the debit card with no money in the account, hoping that it got accepted and he could pay the, the penalty later because he had three kids that needed groceries. And I learned at a young age that our communities do not value those who serve. Mm -hmm. And I was committed to not ever having that happen to me. And so I chased money and I chased titles. And so I got one master's degree and then a PhD and then another PhD. I was chasing any sort of external validation and um, all anxiety is, bro. It's just, it's an alarm system. It's all it is, man. And it's an alarm telling you that you're not safe anymore for a couple of other reasons. But eventually if you don't listen to that alarm, your body says, I'm out. We can't, it's, it's like getting, uh, it's like when you get puncher's chin, right? Eventually your body goes, hey, we remember this. We're going to shut this thing down right early, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, I remember coming out the back end, my wife and I took a $70,000 household income pay cut, and which for two poor kids was a million dollars. And uh, I quit my fancy job at the fancy university and went to another smaller university. And I had to look in the mirror and ask myself, dude, if this happens to me, 
this happens, this can happen to anybody. And then I started digging in and realized, oh, it is happening to everybody. Mm. And then I was spending time with my students that were coming back um, from deployment after deployment and started spending time with those communities and started spending time with the um, the police communities like I'd grown up with. And then I was the dean of students at a law school and I started studying lawyers and doctors, mental health. And I realized, holy smokes, dude, we're in a mess because nobody's okay. And ultimately that led to this genesis of um, this scary but true facts. More people right now than ever before in human history are under the care of a licensed mental health professional. And more people than ever before in human history are taking medications for some sort of quote unquote mental health disorder. And more people than ever before in human history are at our fingertips when it comes to communication. We can communicate to more people than ever before in human history. And the trend line for depression and anxiety is a rocket ship, a directly vertical uh, rocket ship. And so as a mental health guy, I had to step back and say, hey, what we're doing is not working. It's not working. Flexing isn't working. Screaming and yelling isn't working. Saying stupid stuff like my truth and how I feel, that's not working. Like, what is happening? And really, this book is a just it's 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 getting out of the matrix man and saying what if i created a life that my body didn't have to sound the alarms all the damn day and so this is i'm going to build a life not that's immune to heartache and loss and death that's life but what if i could experience the loss of a loved one and just have the privilege of being heartbroken and also have to worry about my bills and i'd also have to worry about this and what if i could go to work and work really really hard and be exhausted and be frustrated and be angry and then go back and, and fight again the next day mm. but then i crash at night because my body's not trying to keep me up all night because it's scared about something so this book is a roadmap to build a non-anxious life so that those anxiety alarms don't ring off the hook all day long so good, man. I love it. And I love that you use that, that, and you do that exactly in the book. And I love that you use that framework too, because we talk about this whole 12 month journey. These guys are on as a roadmap and it's the same thing. It's not, it's not, look, this is the roadmap to all the, you know, the keys of the universe. It's a great roadmap to highlight various things that we continue to dive deeper on. So when you say, look, man, I'm seeing this and nobody's okay. What's the most, com- like, what are the common threads that you're seeing because we can't you know that's a hard thing to to generalize and just go why is everybody not okay i agree there's a lot of people not okay what are the most common threads that you're seeing is why people are so anxious i think the two that jump out number one we've created the loneliest generation in human history period Mm -hmm. um and we text like crazy and we email like crazy and our bodies are screaming at us that it's desperately alone and if you just go back go back ten thousand years man if if you woke up on the plains in nebraska and your tribe had left you you're probably going to die it's wired into you and um you can look at all the neuroscience there's people who wake up early there's people who stay up late our bodies are designed. Hey, you got the night shift. I got day shift. You get the food. I'll watch the kids. That's the way we're wired, man. And we decided we got real arrogant because we figured out food. We figured out these little magic wands. We can push a button and food just shows up at our front door. And we figured out water. Um, in Texas, it's getting dicey, but we figured out water, right? And so we've gotten real arrogant. We don't need anybody. Mm-hmm. And when you get lonely, your brain starts a cascade of attention getting signals most of which is blame connection with who you hate not who what who like hey who's our common enemy not 
what is our common mission, which are two different paths, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I mean, you just look around. The second thing is we are not designed to absorb every tragedy in every square inch of planet Earth. We can't do that. It overwhelms our system. We're designed to deal with our tribe. And so we have created a world that our bodies can't exist in, man. And I, I know it sounds so dramatic, but we're not designed to know, to have a media ecosystem that says, hey, you will cover a murder today on tonight's show. And if you look at some of the, like the, the, you will have a cop shooting on that show, period. Yep. Well, you can be in Houston and it's running one from Milwaukee and then running one from Seattle. And my body's not designed to, to, to deal with that, right? And that paints a picture that's not a true picture of what's going on in the world. Right. And so I think there's an overwhelming system that is usually balanced out by tribe and by people. And we don't have that. And then we are left to our own devices, man. And those guys in uh, Silicon Valley, they're smarter than us. And they partnered with the right people and they are better at our own brains than we are now. And so you have to opt out. Those are the two things. An overwhelmed group of folks that have no tribe to lean on has created a isolated vacuum of you versus the world. And you find a group of people you all hate together and you march off. And that's the, that's, I mean, that's the world we got. It is the world. It's so well said, man. You say it sounds dramatic, but the reality is it's extraordinarily logical. It's the reality of it is, is we are doing so many things that are against those, those factory settings. You know? <laughs> I love that. That's a good, yeah. Like, yeah. It, I'm going to steal yeah, that. Yeah. Please do, you know, cause that's what I've been, one of the things I've been working on with these guys and as we're building out these schools and all this too, it's like, man, for our young people and we help a lot of families through home education and things as well. And it's like, I'm, I'm encouraging these parents to just do everything you can. It's an environment game because you want to preserve the factory settings because they have a God-given gift and they're brilliant, right? They're genius humans and they have so much potential and they're so excited and they're curious and they're joyful. And we want to preserve factory settings, right? We want to preserve what just came out of the box. And then with our older population in an older meaning, like people that have experienced all the garbage that you just laid out, it's like, no, we've We've added all kinds of apps and we went to the wrong sites and we did all, and so it's slowing this thing down and it's messing it up. So a lot of times it is, it's addition by subtraction, right? We got to yank this stuff yeah. back to get back to the factory settings. And I, I, I think, and maybe I'm naive, man. I don't think we got here um, on purpose. Mm. I think that we like, man, the idea of riding in a, in a new tundra versus riding a horse across the united states that's awesome mm-hmm. and then you can tell me you can just put leather seats in it as an like instead of air conditioning that's awesome I, i'm dude i'm all about air conditioning and i grew up i was born and raised i spent 40 years in texas man i i love me some air conditioning right and but all of a sudden when you start solving for comfort and solving for comfort then you pathologize discomfort mm-hmm. and then feeling uncomfortable becomes the enemy, whether it's in thought, whether it's in ideas, whether it's an actual movement of your body, it's something to be avoided. It's a pathology. And then you have your major institutions writing narratives that say any sort of discomfort is their fault. And it's because of this, we got to root them out. So you're not uncomfortable. And we all know nobody goes to the gym and pulls all the plates off the bar so that it's comfortable to lift. That's not the point. Nobody gets any stronger if you do that. And so we have, not only have we not preserved the factory settings, we're using a glass phone as a hammer. We're using the wrong tool for the wrong, the wrong job. And we're asking our bodies to do things that are against its best interest in a number of ways. And then we're surprised people are melting underneath us.
Yes, sir. Oh, extraordinarily well said. Um, one of the things that I love that you you do extraordinarily well in the book, um, and a lot of this again maps out to to how we've we've uh, attempted to 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 set out this roadmap for the twelve months. But you you map out these six daily choices, right? We talk about the daily habits. We have monthly projects, monthly challenges that are built to highlight you know, all of these, uh, all of these components of life and all the things that we think are important. And so it gives us kind of this snapshot of like, okay, I'm doing this well. I didn't know this game even existed. I need to do better here. I'm actually doing really well here. And it allows us to kind of highlight, but we really focus on these daily habits to move the needle forward, right? You map out these six daily choices. And if you don't mind, uh, for guys that haven't gotten to read it yet, do you mind going through kind of those, those six daily choices a little bit? Yeah, you bet. And I think it's important on the front end. Some of the pushback I've gotten initially from the book is, hey, that's too much. That's too much to work through. And and that's too off. I mean, you can't do work on something every day. And so just out of the gate, man, we all know that you can't brush your teeth so good on Monday that you don't have to do it again until Thursday. <laughs> We've all just made the agreement <laughs> personally, I'm going to brush my teeth twice a day mm-hmm. for my long-term health and because I want my wife to kiss me, right? So I'm going to do it all. So this is just that. This is just a, a, cho- a series of choices that if you make them over time, like anything becomes easier and easier and easier. Um, the first choice is on a daily basis, you have to choose reality. And we have a culture of distraction. That's what we do. We have an economy of distraction. They call it the attention economy, but it's actually the distraction economy. Look over here, look over here, buy this thing you can't afford, go to this thing you can't afford, go do this thing. This is where you need to spend your time. And so we have to swim upstream and choose reality because here's the deal. Your body is solving for reality, whether you are or not. What does that mean? Your body knows if your marriage is falling apart underneath you, even if you have all the pornography in the world to keep you sexually satisfied in the moment. Your body knows that your kids walk in that front door and head straight to the room and slam the door, and they don't like you and don't want to be around you. Your body knows that. Your head can say, oh, that's just teens. Your body knows there's a disconnect there. Your body knows that you're 100 pounds overweight or that you haven't lifted weights. You're about to get fired. And so there's something about your, the human body's design that when it recognizes you're in the backseat of your own life, it will sound the alarms. Alarms can be depression. Alarms can be anxiety. When you are in the driver's seat, even if you're in a, your life is a mess, the alarms stop because it knows you're driving again. Cool. I'm glad you're back to driving. That's fantastic. So we got to choose reality. It's like starting a marathon without knowing when the starting line is, right? you got to know where the starting line is. The second one, as we talked about earlier, you have to choose connection. Um, you can't do life by yourself. And I, I've, I, especially when I talk to men and, and my, my veteran buddies, it's this simple. They gave my granddad, who was a World War II vet, they gave him cigarettes when he was a kid in the early um, 20th century because it calmed kids down. They, they, they would say, give that boy a smoke, and they'd take it out behind the whatever, you know. And then they realized, oh, this is going to kill everybody. And if you, we all remember our grandparents having to stop smoking when they were in their 30s and 40s and 50s, it's that simple when it comes to loneliness. Loneliness will kill you. It will kill you, and more insidiously, it will take down your kids and your wife and your families too because they see you present. They see your body there, but you're not there. Mm-hmm. And so loneliness will take down everybody. And what does that mean for the guy who is on two deployments who now lives in a suburb of, of North St. Louis? That neighbor of yours dragging his can, his garbage can down the side, he'll never, you'll never be able to duplicate 150 guys willing to take a bullet for you. You won't, but that doesn't mean you don't start. 
That doesn't mean you don't lean in and that it's awkward and it's vulnerable and it's weird or that cop who is running the beat in his neighborhood and his neighbors have no idea what's happening in their communities after hours and you do Mm. you still have to reach out and find friends you do otherwise you are choosing to die young you're choosing to be miserable with your wife and kids and that's just a that's a full stop statement and i wish it was different it's just not the next one is choosing freedom um and that's not the the tim kennedy uh um uh it's American flag underwear and like, pew, pew, pew. that's not what I mean. Yeah. I say cho- choose freedom. We have a <sighs> debt was used as a tool for slavery. It was a way to capture people and entrap them. And when you were, we were about to lose people that were economic tools, we created debt um, entrapments. And now that's the way we live our life. Mm. And so, if your body knows while you are sleeping that you owe a mortgage and you owe two car payments and you're paying on your furniture and you're paying on your TV on your wall, it knows that if you say one wrong thing at work or you like the wrong Facebook post in this current era that we're in and you get fired from your job, you lose your home, you lose your food, you lose your transportation, you lose it all. And so you can think in your with your frontal lobe, I got a great deal, the, the APR financing is low, your brain knows if you owe somebody money, Toyota Motor Company's telling you what to do tomorrow. Your mortgage company's telling you what to do tomorrow, not you. And when you lack autonomy, your body will sound the anxiety alarms. Your body would be failing you if it let you sleep all night, knowing that your house could get taken away at any moment, that the bank could call your note. And so when I started looking into freedom and the, the, the toll it takes psychologically, now we're in a culture where nine-year-old soccer coaches on travel teams are telling us, my family, what we're going to do for the next 14 years worth of weekends, and I'm going to spend 5000 bucks. That's insane. Or we live lives that are so cluttered. We have so much crap in our houses. If you do the – just go Google um, uh, storage spaces. We have more stuff than the factory settings, to, to quote you. Are, we're, able, we're, we're built for scarcity. We have more crap everywhere. We have to buy extra storage spaces. And then you get into how many mother-in-laws are still telling you what you're going to do for Thanksgiving. It doesn't matter if your family's exhausted. It doesn't matter if y'all can't afford it. You will get in a, in a plane or a car. You will come to my house for this. And so choosing freedom is looking around who owns you, mm-hmm. who runs your life, and begin working. Sometimes when it comes to paying off debt, it takes two years. It takes five years. Um, I have a coworker. Her and her husband ended up with $400,000 in student loans. They went to grad school. And they lived on an air mattress for seven years, but they did it, right? And so begin a process of who owns me? Where am I not free? And begin to solve for freedom. The next one is you got to choose mindfulness. And that's the annoying, I know it sounds like an old man with a white beard on a cloud, but I just wanted to distill it down to two words. That's you. I was talking about you. I I noticed. Um, Mindfulness is two words, awareness and curiosity. If I could get a group of men across this country to begin being curious instead of instantly being judgmental and rageful, I think we change America instantly. What does that look like in real time? When that idiot in the little square Kia cuts you off listening to like the the house music and he cuts you off and it's always in a freaking Kia. Instead of immediately spinning up a story, that dude is just doing drugs and he's trying to kill anybody. He's probably texting. He's not paying attention. I can do that and my body will dump cortisol and adrenaline into my system and it will light up my fight or flight and I'm ready to go. And that dude has no idea that I'm mad or 
when he cuts me off, I can instantly be curious and go, whew, wonder why he's doing that. And then you can quietly whisper a prayer, hope to God he gets to the hospital before his wife dies. I get to choose which one of those stories I spin up. Mm-hmm. At, and one of those kills me, and one of those helps me live longer and become more empathetic and a better father and a better neighbor, right? Curious. You walk in your front door, and you and your wife just had a huge fight last night about wet towels on the floor, and you walk in your front door, and you go in your bathroom, there's a wet towel on the floor. You can get insta-pissed. She's just trying to set me up. Or you can curiously ask, what in the hell happened in her day that was so bad that there's a wet towel on the floor? It must have been tough. I'm going to pick that towel up, and I'm going to go grab the dishes out of the sink. I can pick either one of those two choices, Mm -hmm. right? And so that's mindfulness. It's that gap between I really want to grab a drink. I really want to look, go to a porn, like look at porn. I really want to text that woman back that I work with who's super attractive. It's that gap between I just have this feeling and what's the next right thing to do. Mm. Then the next choice is health and healing, man. And if you were waking up and starting today with four monster energy drinks and then moving on and you're snorting pre-workout off your counter and then like, you're setting your body up to be so amped in a way that it can't possibly respond positively or with intention to the normal stresses of life. Um, If you have childhood abuse and trauma and you have not dealt with that, your body will continue to solve for that sexual abuse, that physical abuse until you sit down with a licensed counselor and work through your crap. Um, If you saw some stuff overseas and you haven't dealt with it, it will continue to deal with you. And so you got to choose health and healing. And that's its own book on its own, really. And the final one is the most controversial one. I think um, we have created a culture, like I said earlier, about that we're arrogant. And this is the first culture in human history. Jordan Peterson's talked about this. Esther Perel's talked about this. Two, two brilliant mental health professionals on both sides of the aisle mm-hmm. have both written eloquently on this is the first generation in human history, first culture that has no God, that has no belief that we are the center of our own universe. And when you're the center of your universe, you worship you. And when you worship you, you start worshiping how you feel. And then when you start worshiping how you feel, you start saying insane things like my truth and um, how I feel. The world needs to bend to how I feel. And I'm convinced that our brains are designed to take a knee to something bigger than us. We are in service to something bigger. I'm not going to subscribe. I'm not going to prescribe the deity that for you, my family and I were Christians and we believe in God and that's, that's the path we follow, but you have to take a knee and say, I'm a part of something bigger. The world does not revolve around me. I even have lovely, wonderful atheist friends who believe in the birth and life and death and the, arc of nature will the 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 cyclical nature great you have to believe in something Mm. um and so if you don't choose belief on a daily basis then your body understands it's just us holding up the universe and it will bang its head against the wall trying to get your attention that you're not okay and so that's the six daily choices man that's just the loop and you track it and track it and track it for most of us a couple of those are simple. There's no, you tell me to go work out. I can work out all day long. That's my favorite thing to do. You tell me to sit down and have a belief practice. That's tough for me, man. Like that's tough. And you tell my wife, Hey, you have to go lift weights. She's like, ah, I don't like that. If I tell her, Hey, I need you to work on health and healing. Great. That's easy. So some of these are easy. Some of these are hard. The math is the math. You got to do these things. And over time, your body will quit sounding those anxiety alarms and trying to get your attention. And is that, and the pushback that you get, is it, is it universally one thing or not? And gentlemen, I do see your hands and I am going to call on you because that is my job. Even if, <laughs> even if Guillermo does drive a Kia, 
there. <laughs> I know he's in Texas now, but I heard about you in East LA driving that Kia. We will still call on you, sir. So don't worry about that. Um, but is that like the, the, the majority of the pushback, is it in one choice? Is it the belief, like the biggest pushback or is it really just kind of all over the board based on the one that they want to do the least in your the, experience. The, the, the two biggest pushbacks, one is interestingly from the faith community. That's not that it's not what I want belief to be. Mm. And like, why don't you just say that they need to believe in this? Mm. And I say, because I can't just swipe my arm and say this two billion group of people who are in this faith tradition are going to be anxious, right? That's that's not that's not honest. That's not what the data says, and that's not reality. Yep. And so, um, it's actually the insiders that are the most frustrating. In fact, I sent that chapter to one of my friends who is a, a savant, brilliant. I wish my brain worked like his. Yeah. Um, was as smart as his. He's a legal scholar and an atheist, and he wrote back and he said, "I buy it. I'm in." And so he didn't suddenly go to Sunday school, but he bought the argument. I need to find something bigger than me to believe in, yeah. right? That's not the scientific method. The second pushback I get is, man, and we have our narrative is you have anxiety as though it's COVID, as though it's a disease, yeah, as are. though you're broken and it's your destiny. And so the bigger pushback is. Hey, you can't just not have anxiety. Yes, you damn well can, right? You absolutely can. And um, medicine might be a part of it. It might. But man, I really want people to look at the lives they're living. And of course, they're anxious. Your body would be failing you if you weren't anxious, given the lives we live right now. That's so those right. are the two bigger pushbacks I give. Well, freaking said. So good. All right. Kia, uh, sorry, Guillermo. You're up, brother. Dude, Kia, for reals? <laughs> I'm not how you guys roll down it's there. Just, Maybe it's different. I'm, hey, I'm just saying yeah, you matched I, your hat I, and your shirt. Either, That's all I'm saying. Yeah, That's all I'm saying. Prius, dude. I'm, I'm not rocking with anyone. <laughs> hey, I'll, yeah. I'll rock a Prius, but uh, I won't rock that, <laughs> that baby blue hat you got there. there. You go. That's awesome. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I like my brain's going crazy right now with all of this because yeah. I, I want to go through through different questions and throw a lot of different things at you. But um, what I wanted to ask is um, regarding anxiety that's self-induced from from an unfulfilled desire, right? Because we mm -hmm. have we have anxiety that comes from troubles and obstacles and problems and issues that we have in our life. But you know, let's say everything is kind of status quo, right? And and things are good. We got most of the things dialed in in our life not everything's perfect but we have these big goals and aspirations right uh i was watching the i don't know if you guys kurt angle right the kurt angle documentary uh, and how obsessed he was at, at at winning the olympic gold medal and he wanted to do everything possible like he went through it was a really good documentary showcase you know how somebody will just do anything to achieve their goals right um but there's a certain level of anxiety that comes from that when that goal has not been reached yet mm. um and i was just kind of wondering how you would how do you temper that right like if if you want this goal so bad and you're obsessed with it and you want to reach it but every day that you're not there you you kind of give yourself anxiety because you're not there and i'm wondering is that a is that a healthy anxiety is that is that you know what i mean like yeah. uh, I, I don't know if that makes sense no that's a great great question man yeah. you're probably gonna like my answer is that cool <laughs> yeah uh, sure. i'll just yeah. give it to you straight and feel, yeah. everybody feel free to disagree with me yeah. um i think there's a couple of things number one we love that story and that story comes at a cost mm -hmm. and um 
I think it was Cam that wrote about it in a way that I remember reading his last book, and I sat back and I said, "There it is. That's the most honest statement of 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 a very honest man. This is the most honest statement I've read, which is, I think I chose a life that ends soon." And so it is really cool to see that dude's accomplishments and see that thing. That guy runs a marathon every day or whatever. That's amazing. And it ends abruptly and quick. And so I think, number one, there's a cost to it. And it might be uh, your body telling you, hey, what are we doing? We're losing our families. We're losing our spouses. We're losing our community. And there are minds that will say, that's why we have referees in MMA matches. Someone just say, hey, you've had enough because there are minds that will just keep going and keep going and keep going for this one goal so that's number one i always want to remember anxiety is just your body telling you that you're not all right that's it that's all it is it's not a dysfunction it's not you're broken it's just telling you hey we're not okay the second thing i think goes beneath this goal this obsession with when i get there wherever the hell there is that then everything's going to be okay and that's one of the greatest lies of our time my friend here in, in Asheville is a pastor his name's ian simpkins he says if busyness is your drug, rest will feel like stress. And so if you are so single-minded, I will be best, I will be champion, I will be champion, I'll be champion. Number one, count the cost. And most of us think count the cost like time in the gym. That's a lot of hard squats. No, 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 no. That is no wife. Or that is kids that do not like you. Like it's a big commitment to say count the cost. The second thing, and, and let's, let's undramatize it a little bit. That's missed baseball games. That's missed little league games and school plays. That's that many in their eighties and nineties say, dude, that was the good stuff. That was what was that's that was the rich stuff. So you're counting the cost. You're going to miss that stuff. And you have to be very careful about some sort of external thing. You believing that's going to fill up that gap inside of you. It's not. And so one of the, I, I travel the country speaking to businesses and sitting behind closed doors with, with business owners. And one of the chief complaints I get about what I talk about is, oh, so we're supposed to just all quit. We're not supposed to be ambitious. And I say, no, 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 no. I got two little kids, man, and the world's a mess. I need you to be as wildly ambitious as possible. I also need you to know your dad's still not going to call you and tell you he's proud of you. That call's not coming. That you're going to get a million dollars in your bank account and you're going to exhale and then your wife's going to say, will you take the trash out? That's still going to happen. And so if we can get a group, a, a generation of leaders to go home and start wildly being wildly ambitious while also holding true, this isn't going to heal me. This isn't going to make me sleep deeper at night. This is what is right for my community and my family or my personal mission. Then your body knows you're driving. Right. And the anxiety alarms begin to slow down because you're doing something in service of a mission. You're not doing something to grab a brass ring so you can turn and go, look, dad, look, I made it. Right. So that, those are the two things I, I wrestle with. But that line, if if busyness is your drug, man, we live in a crazy culture. We'll put you in jail for 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 doing drugs. We'll put you in jail for drinking too much. We will um, fire you for having multiple affairs. But man, if you work 120 hours a week, we're going to give you more money and we're going to high five you. It's the same pathology, man. Just played out different. Yes, sir. I appreciate that. Sir. Great Thank question, you. man. Great question. Thank you. Yeah, it is a really good question. And I love the explanation too. And I, I see this spectrum too, because I was going where you were G, on, on a little bit of it. Like, you know, I, I think of my own father and go, okay, he used, hey, I'm going to be home with you guys because I'm not going to let work, you know, dictate. He said all the right things. 
but it was really a fear of actually being ambitious. He was afraid that he was going to go ahead and be successful over here. And it's not like we enjoyed having him home anyways. He was a jerk. And he saw it. So, so it was like, that was an excuse there you go. The right things and still not do the right things too. So I love the way that you, that you, but, 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 but just j exactly like a million dollars, isn't going to solve it. Right. Just sitting on your couch and staring at your kids. That's not going to solve it. Not either. going to solve it either. That's right. Right. That's, 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 that's still an external met uh, an external thing you're trying to use to fill up your inside. It's not how that works, man. Bingo. So good. Mr. Moore. Hey, can you guys hear me? Yes, sir. Yeah, we got you. My phone just overheated, so I can't see you. But, um, uh, John, uh, just thank you, first of all, because uh, I've had to reflect on my exposure to you over the past 18 months. Uh, went to the Entre, Entree Leadership Summit last uh, May and bought your book then, uh, read through it shortly after, and then struggled with wanting to drive myself off the side of the road on the way home from work in November of last year. Hmm. Um, and a lot of what I read from your book, um, it, it's going to have to be a yearly read for me because I think it is something that encourages me that it, it, it's this right here. It's, you know, the myth of normal. It, yeah. it, all of us are dealing with these similar things and we are not alone, even when we feel like we are hmm. on that note. Uh, so just gratitude there, first of all. Oh, I'm grateful, um, man. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad you're still here. Yeah. Uh, on that note, that perspective and, you know, even just living in my own head makes me concerned when I see others falling into traps that might, I might perceive as becoming lonely. And uh, my wife has had her whole um, perspective of female friendships challenged via a lot of um, just broken ones over the years and everything. She has her sister is is with us almost every weekend. She's an absolute joy to be around her best friend. Uh, really, really good there. But she tends to really just enjoy being with myself, our one and a half year old and and her sister and tends to get really tense when it comes to engaging socially with other friends, whether it's a female friend, couple friends, different things like that. So I want to figure out how best to support her, but also not to push her into friendships that she doesn't want uh, and to kind of balance some of those things. So in your, in your research and your thoughts around this, how can I best do that? I think the first thing is not looking at your wife as though she's an engine to repair or fix. Um, cause she's not a machine. She's, um, she's your, your ride or die until those things, until y'all both step out. Right. Um, so the way the, the suckiest part of trauma, the suckiest part of hurting, getting hurt in relationship is your body puts a GPS pin in that particular thing and said, let's don't do that again. Cause that got hurt last time. And if your dad abuses you or your mom abuses you, it puts a GPS pin in a loving, caring, warm relationship and says, don't do that again. And it shows back up when you get married, right? Or if you had some great friends in your high school years, or you're a veteran, or you're in your 20s, you have some great friends, and suddenly that goes sour, boom, GPS pin, don't do that again. Don't do hang out, go get drinks with people. Don't be open because you get burned with that stuff. And what's awful about it is, is it tags oxygen, right? It tags the most important thing in our lives, which is relationships as poison, and we end up suffocating. And so 
number one, I, I would say her body is trying to take care of her the best way it knows how. And she has to look at the data, which says I'm uncomfortable around other people. So my battle is not to find ways to not be around people. Cause if I do that, I'm going to die. My battle is how do I lean in and begin to become more comfortable around other people? What boundaries do I need to set so that I can slowly step into that? The hard part for you as a husband who loves her is that's her adventure, not yours. And so the best gift you can give her is a couple of things. Number one, you model it. I'm going out with my buddies. I love you so much. I'm going to go have some guy time and we're going to go. I don't know. Hopefully it's not golfing anything other than golfing, but we're going to go do some things, right? Um, whatever that looks like, uh, we're going to go ride in G's, uh, Kia. We're going to all get blue hats and blue shirts and ride around in, in, in G's <laughs> Kia, whatever that is. Um, we're like, I'm going to go do things. And I'm just telling you this cause I'm the reverse. I had a lot, I got burned a lot. I have some history with some relationships. And so it was easier for me just to stay at home. And my wife finally said, Hey, I'm going to branch out and slowly, but surely, Hey, can we, this can my friend bring her husband over? Yeah, that's fine. And now that guy's one of my best friends, right? And the, in fact, they're the couple that's going to keep her kids if, if me and my wife die. So it's you modeling inside your own house and doing the things that you need to do to stay well, while also not leaning, not trying to repair her unless she asks for it. And I think that's the best, mo- uh, the, the best path forward for you right now. And by the way, by the way, you have, so a, much, sir. you have a one and a half year old. No rules apply to y'all. You're in survival, right? You don't like, you're not under fire and someone's like, hey man, what protein bar should I have? It's, we're in not die phase. And that's where you are with a one and a half year old man. When you all come up from air, when she, when your kid turns two, now we can start talking about friends or sex life, getting back on track about, you know, where do we want to go to church? You can start getting your life back a little bit, but right now you are in the corner and you just got to turtle up until the round's over, man. Yep. Yeah, where was that a year ago? But no, thank you, so much, man. <laughs> you got it. You got it. That's awesome. And and uh, gentlemen, so we got we got two more that are up here. I think those are probably going to be our last two, most likely, because we want to make sure we honor uh, honor Mr. Deloney's time. We want to make sure that we're able to tell everybody where to go to. So I just want to give a heads up on that. Um, and I know if you're anything like me, you love him even more because hey quit going golfing all right great so we just now they got that <laughs> i see you're up sir no reason Dude, to golf oh. just relieve so much pressure because i have an 11 month old and they try and burn my house down every night right. you're in it dude i feel good man uh, first, <laughs> first question it could be super quick who's your guitar hero because you're living out my rock star dream right now <sighs> okay I, i'm gonna say something that my 19 year old self would punch me in the mouth for is that cool Yes, sir. I have to just say this all the way across. I've seen Van Halen, Clapton. I saw Dimebag 50 times. I've seen Metallica a bunch. I've seen them all. I've seen all of them. And the guitarist that I walked away from and thought, holy smokes, that dude's special. Ah, I hate to say it. It's John Mayer. It's John Mayer, dude. Uh-oh. I I watched that dude. He's, I thought he was a pop icon guy, like singing songs to girls. And... uh that guy plays guitar like i've not seen somebody and even more impressive it's nowhere on his records and so i thought what a flex you're one of the best guitarists of my generation and you're so so much of a stud you didn't put on your record that's gangster that's like tim wearing extra large shirts and not showing off his muscles because he doesn't have to it was so (laughs) rad man so i just appreciate that he wears clothes on social media that's that's very true so i gotta say like i've seen them all dimebag obviously one of my favorites of all time but man 
Ah, dude, that John Mayer's he was special. He was special. Slash is pretty good too. Slash was good too. Well, the fact that you mentioned Diamond Papa Head, I'm I'm good with it, man. But yeah. so my question is is in all of your experience with law enforcement, uh, I, I did 13 years in law enforcement. And I really want to get back and serve that community in more of a coaching and mentoring role. Awesome. And I to get to them before they need you. Yeah. And I think that starts at the recruit level. I think that starts with the young kids. And then, you know, it doesn't mean that these old salty veterans are gone, but mm. they're stubborn, hard people to change. Right. Oh Yeah. Big time. Things just kind of bullet points, maybe that. I could start looking at implementing with these young officers that are in that zero to five year range before it gets to them. Cause I mm -hmm. dealt with that anxiety, that stress oh, yeah. led me to the hospital thinking I was dying and all that. And like mm -hmm. nothing wrong with me. That's right. I would love to help these kids and these, these guys that are serving so they can continue to serve. Mm -hmm. The single greatest uh, program I've ever seen was by my mentor and he's out in Lubbock, Texas. His name is Dr. Andy Young. And basically what he has done as a civilian mental health guy over the last 20 years it's it's something it's staggering but the two words I, I keep coming back to are show up and for 10 years he showed up and he kept showing up and he would just pull up he got a police radio and would pull up outside and he continued just to show up until finally somebody said hey you're a mental health guy will you help us with this one and now he runs a team of about 30 or 40 and i was on that team that we show up and do death notifications and sit so that the officers can do their job and move on and we would sit with the families but what became very important was this, was those recruits, their captain or their chief would look and say, this guy's safe and nothing you tell him ends up in a report anywhere in our, in our office. And that became the magic sauce was A, which we trust him, he's one of us. And if you tell me, I gotta put it in a report and you might end up behind a desk for six months. If you tell him, it won't. And that, that, that he's one of us plus he's trustworthy. Those were the two big ones. So um, I think this idea of showing up and showing up and showing up, if you can show up or you are able to get in with the chief and say, Hey, I do, I coach police officers for a living. I'll help you with your retention, but I need five minutes during, um, during first week, dude, that would be incredible. And having their blessing, we trust him. He's one of us. And you being able to say, I'll go to jail with what y'all tell me at the, at my table. But you gotta you gotta have somebody to talk to. Um, that that's become the magic sauce right there. Man, that is so helpful. Because, because every every I mean, you know this. Every cop says nobody knows what we're going through. That's what every every officer says. That nobody nobody knows us. Nobody knows us. Nobody knows us. And so that magic man, that magic line. He's one of us. And yeah. then the second thing is there is a if you tell your supervisor, hey, I'm I'm having weird dreams. They'll pull you off. You know that. I know that. Everybody knows that. And so the incentive is to say nothing. And so that gives you – that's the alternative route, man. But but th th those would be my two two things. I think Dr. Young on your show would be awesome too. He's, 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 he's a brilliant man. Awesome. Thank you so much. Great question, brother. Thank you. Thanks for loving those, those young guys, man. That's awesome. Yeah, big time. That's really good. And I, I don't want to turn it back to the John Mayer thing, but I do have to – it happened today, and I don't believe in coincidences. So I'm taking my 12-year-old to one of her jobs today, and, and as we're driving, John Mayer uh, – there's a John Mayer song on, and, and she says, Dad, do you realize John Mayer is your favorite singer? And I said, <laughs> I said, what are you talking about? She goes, he's your favorite. She goes, I think it's played like three or four John Mayer songs. She goes, isn't this just on your phone? I'm like, yeah, it's, a sh it's like a shuffle setting on my phone. She's like, okay, when we get to work – 
before I get out, I want you to, to take a look. So she's like, how many songs do you have on your phone? I'm like, oh, 620 something. She's like, cool. Go through and count. How many of those are John Mayer? And I went through and counted. It was like 27 of them are John She's like, <laughs> she's like do you have any other person or band that's on your phone as much as John Mayer? And I'm like, I guess I don't. I did not realize that. But she called me out on it like three hours ago. Dude, yeah. he's just straight good, man. I wish he wasn't. He's just straight good. Yeah. It it's just all it all jealousy. No good vibes. It is all jealousy. Yeah, that's so funny. Mr. <laughs> Go ahead, sir. All right. So thank you for being here with us, sir. My question is in line of what Michael Moore was asking. And we were actually having a good conversation with our legion, like our group, uh, this morning about the conversations with our wives. Right. And so we're doing all these brothers. I got your six daily choices right and we understand hey you need to choose reality choose connection freedom but when we're trying to engage in those conversations with our wives some of us are just having roadblocks to get there right there's and my wife tends to suffer a lot on anxiety right and sometimes feeling depressed and it's like oh yeah but it's like how's your nutrition how's your sleep how's your exercise right basic stuff never ask that never ask that question (laughs) oh you're anxious what'd you eat today Oh, (laughs) don't do that. Yeah. So it's, it's, what would be the right approach, right? Over the years, I can say we've been making, or I've been making some progress, but it hurts us not to be able to help them to go faster. So we try to different approaches and we kind of run some ideas, but I would love to hear if you have any suggestions on, on how to approach that and get with a, maybe like a different perspective, like you're bringing with them and to resonate with them. Mm. The, uh, yeah, that's a brilliant question. I, I've never, <laughs> I have never experienced it personally or seen it work anywhere when somebody's wife is struggling and you pull out a checklist and say, well, let's go down the list. What did you eat today? Did you do squats today? Um, have you counted to 14? I, I, <laughs> that's a recipe. That's why they have such a, a robust murder podcast series going right yeah. there. So, um, I, two things have transformed my, my life, okay? And here's what they are. Um, number one is the question, how can I love you today? Not in the future, not today, right now. What does today look like for us? That question, how can I love you today, gives my wife a security that her body goes, he's with me, not against me. He's not lecturing me. He's not trying to teach me or coach me. Actually, my wife is smarter than me. She was Dr. Deloney before I was. She's brilliant. She doesn't need my quote-unquote advice. What she needs is me. And I want to say this as boldly as I can. Most men are so insecure with who they see in the mirror, they can't possibly imagine that somebody just wants them. We only believe we have value if we have utility, and we only believe we have utility if we can crank off the 10 steps to the next damn thing, whatever that is. Our wives mostly want us, and we have to learn to be comfortable just sitting next to it. My wife actually said out loud the other day, I need to borrow your nervous system for a bit. And so we put on a crappy show, and she curled up next to me like a, like a puppy would. And then half hour later, she goes, ah, I'm good. Because I was super peaceful out. But her saying that that was the best way. So just think about that. How can I love you today? It might be as simple as pick up the towels. It might be as simple as if you could pick up the kids from school. That suddenly dominoes my whole day so that I could fill in the blank. Like whatever. The second thing is 
we think in pictures and we speak in words. And I got this from the great William Glasser, a, a psychiatrist that swore off psychiatry years ago. We think in pictures and we speak in words. Here's the quick and dirty on that. My wife comes to me on Monday morning and she looks at me all seductively and she says, Friday night, we're going to have the hottest date of your life. Be ready. And she walks away. I immediately start wondering like where we're going by Tuesday. I'm like, what am I going to wear? And by Wednesday, I'm like, what is she going to wear? And for how long? And Thursday, I'm like, how are we going to land a helicopter here to take us to that rendezvous over in France? Like, this could be amazing. And Friday, I get home from work. I actually shower again on the same day and I put on a suit and she comes out and running shorts and a t-shirt. And I'm like, what are you doing? And she says, what are you doing? And I said, you said we're going to have a hot date. And she goes, yes. We're in Texas, burrito barn, seven tacos for a dollar. What's the matter with you? And here's the thing. I'm pissed. She's pissed. And I love tacos. And I love Mexican food in Texas. And she loves romantic rendezvous. We both use the word date, but we had different pictures. And so the sentence that changed my, I would say saved my marriage, because it got dicey there for a while, was what does today look like for you? How can I, what is your picture of, the, we're going to your mother-in-law's house. What does your picture of that look like? Because I'm picturing dropping y'all off and going fishing. And she's like, I'm picturing you sitting on the couch and staring off into space and watching a football game you don't care about. What is the picture of this date? What is the picture of dropping our kids off on the first day of school? And once you align that picture, dude, the, it's, everything falls into place. Or at least it gives you something truly to discuss instead of, you get back in the car after the weekend at her parents' house and she's frustrated and you feel it and you're frustrated that she's frustrated and you didn't tell me you didn't want to go fishing. Well, I thought you were just going to sit on the couch. Man, what's your picture of going to your parents' house? And I'm going to be in service to that picture the best I can. And so we quit using words as much as what's your picture for this and how can I love you today? And what I'll tell you is over time, it the how can I love you, how can I love you, your wife will begin to feel safe enough to say, hey, you work out all the time. I don't want your Lane Norton workout program, but can you help me with a few things? And now you're in business. See what I'm saying? And that's a totally different proposition than here's your workout program. I can't believe you're not doing this. I'm going to check in with you tomorrow at 6.45 a.m. Let's do it. Snap into a Slim Jim. That's not for marriage making material. And by the way, I think um, in our current world, it's really good to have systems that are very, very, very fast out running out ahead to solve problems. And I think it's very good. Um, churches, education in some some places, although I started this whole podcast by saying education's falling apart. I think it's important for it for systems that move slow, that don't just jump on every whim and chase every dragon that is more slow moving, that has wisdom and it has patience and has pace. And so if you find yourself, I just want my wife to go faster maybe she is exactly what your household needs to balance out your let's do this let's do this let's do this and her saying hey let's be present let's actually rest too and let's be in love and let's be present those are both of those paths are important that's good hope that helps man hope that helps appreciate that insight yeah it's bringing a little bit of a patient and focus on the how can i love it day until eventually that happens, right? Sometimes we tend to just get frustrated and just wanted to go ahead and do it. Um, yeah. Appreciate that. Just remember, your wife's smart, and uh, she married you because she loves you and not because you're going to give her a checklist. She can get those on Google. Yeah. Oh. Thank you. Great question, man.
And in uh, in hundreds and hundreds of these with some of the best humans on the planet, I can genuinely tell you this is one of my favorite conversations of all time. Uh, You're awesome, man. Truly, man. Truly. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so much, so much great stuff. Um, the book is is phenomenal, but it's because it's written by a phenomenal human, man. So I, I just, again, starting it the same way or ending it, I guess, the same way we started it. Just, you know, the way you show up in the world, man, is it means a lot. Uh, and I'm okay. extraordinarily grateful. I want to make sure we do the three Fs of where can people find the book? Uh, where can people follow you? And how can we freaking support you as an organization? <laughs> I just made that up. That was completely made up on the fly. Um, but how do we support you as an organization too? So those three things. Yeah, and that's awesome. And, uh, um, you can you can find me you can you can find the book at johndeloney.com it releases on October 3rd um, so it's in pre-sale till then if you buy it early um, I've got some bribes in there so you'll pre-sale it because that helps everybody um, but after that October 3rd will be available in all the stores and everywhere um, you can you can follow me at John Deloney on social media um, I'd rather you go play with your kids um, go outside and shoot a bow and arrow or do anything but golf but other than that if you have to be on you can follow me at John Deloney and um man here's here's what would be awesome um are you in austin there uh i'm in austin all the time but i live in north i actually near Asheville, so i'm not that far from you um i i think the time is now for a group of people who care about our kids and care about our country and care about um broader conversations that um i think there's a bunch of people who are very brilliant who want to go school make new schools and don't understand educational psychology or policy or anything like that like how this stuff actually works and so what would be a gift to me is um when i'm in austin next or um, my doctor's in nashville to come out and just sit and spend some hours or you come to nashville you and some gang bring some of your guys with you and to sit down around the table and not only have some conversation but to begin to roadmap some things um I, I can't think of a, a, a better opportunity to help at a, at a ground level our kids um, begin to see the world as it truly is instead of this madness. So Brother, that'd be a, that'd be an I, honor, man. Uh, honor would be my own right there with you. Yeah, we've got we've got hundreds of applications that Timmy and I are going through right now of, of mm. amazing men and women that want to launch these schools. And we've got a targeted effort of at least 100 that we are launching in the fall of 2020. So good right now, man. So so good. Yep. So no, the honor would be my own brother. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, thank you for this. You're saying good man. Thank you for your, uh, you and your gang guys ask great questions. Um, except for G you'll get there. Just keep, keep practicing your questions and your coordinated outfits. Looks good. You look good. good. It's special outreach. That's right. Hey, blessings guys. I'm grateful for you. If I can ever be of service, DM me. And, um, I got you, man. I'm grateful for you. I got you, brother. Thank Thank you. you. You have now taken the step to becoming a great leader of tomorrow. Join the Apogee program by visiting www.apogeestrong.com. For inquiries, contact us 916-728-0606 or email matt at apogeestrong.com. Thank you for listening to Essential 11, Shaping Leaders Among Leaders. Stay tuned for more episodes.